0: carpet up here. So I do tend to roam. They've said that about me for years. So, Uh uh-oh. Okay. It's right at the right angle for somebody that's pretty short. Oh, who else is short? Don't tell him I said that, guys. Okay. Yeah. So this Monday, last Monday, I got a call from Kevin. We've been we've been good friends for about 30 years and he calls me up and he says uh you want to teach on Sunday morning my, you know I'm in my study and I'm you know I, I like smaller venues and this is not a small venue for me but um so I said well you want, what do you want me to do I you know you want me to continue in an exodus now how many have been enjoying the exodus series i tell you what the Lord is speaking to us. It's, it's wonderful. So I said, "Okay, what do you want me?" And he goes, "Anything you want." Well, that's a—it's a pretty wide door, right? And I've been known to again wander. So, um. anyway, this morning I'd like to talk from Romans eight uh, about the eternal purpose of God. And. In Romans 8, what's revealed there is how it unfolds. What's the process that God takes us through to get what he wants? And uh, so next slide, please. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a brief glimpse at the eternal purpose of God. Uh, Unless you've got about three weeks, we can't get into that subject in a total way. But we're going to look at from a few passages, then we're going to go back to Romans 8. But uh, there's a groaning of creation. How many, how many are groaning these days? Groaning, groaning. It's a gr- lot of groaning going on. There's the groaning of creation. There's the groaning of the children of God. That's us. And then there's the groaning of the Spirit of God. And so we want to take a look at that. And I want to just pray for a minute here. Heavenly Father, you have a purpose and you have a plan to accomplish that purpose. And the fact is, you have no equal and you have no rival. You're going to work all things and you are working all things according to the purpose of your will. None can stay your hand. No, no one can dispute you. They can try. They'll, they'll fail miserably. You are like, I know Sophia said, you're in control, absolute control. How you do that is so beyond us. But you are in control right today with all the things that are happening personally in our own lives and also in the greater world today. So, Lord, please give us understanding and insight and help us lay hold of you in the midst of this. And that's what I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So the first verse, the next slide. So we often quote this verse. I mean, it's a good one to quote. We know, we know. Brothers and sisters, do we know? Okay, I think we do. I think we have a measured knowing And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good. Amen? Come on. Amen? All right, a little bit more there. They work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. There's an end in mind. There is an end. There is a final day coming, marvelous day. And we know that's where we're going. But I think often, and I've learned this, this, I've learned it over the years I've been a Christian, uh, one of the sayings I have is, context is king. So if you're quoting verses just one singular verse, often you miss, miss the context that it's in. And there's a context to this. And so we have to go back to the context because there's a process whereby God accomplishes that purpose. There's a plan. God has a plan. So we could talk about the eternal purpose of God for hours and hours and hours and hours. It's just a huge subject. You know, God's after a people. There's a number of places it says his own special possession. He's after a dwelling place. And that dwelling place, he doesn't like... I shouldn't say it that way. I'll take that back. Uh, He wants a dwelling place, and that dwelling place isn't a building, right? We're in this, and we call it the church. That's for ease of language and everything. Oh, I'm going to church. No, we are the church, right? God is having a dwelling place, and that dwelling place is us. Uh, He's after a kingdom, 162 times in the New Testament that word kingdom is used. A lot more than heaven because the heavens are coming and God's going to unite the two into one realm, the kingdom of God eternally. It's a bride, it's a city. There's so many descriptions here, but now we're going to look at just a few of them. So the next slide, please. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11 Paul was given the assignment to make known to all of us. We have his writings in front of us. The mystery of his will that's according to his purpose. He has a purpose. He's going. He's doing that. He set it forth in Christ. Christ is the center of that purpose. Has been since the beginning. The the Lord Jesus Christ existed before he got born as a baby. Can I hear an amen on that? He's the eternal God. Every appearance in the Old Testament is an encounter with Christ. So it's the mystery of his will according to his purpose. He's set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of the times. He's on track. And that is to unite all things in him, things in the heavens and things on the earth. At the end of the book... Chapter 21 of Revelation, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and I saw the, new, the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven to this earth. God's going to unite the realms, I don't understand it. He's still going to differentiate. He doesn't merge us. We don't become something we're not. We'll look at that in just a moment. The purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his own will. Next slide, please. A little later, chapter 3. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. I hope we're all on a path to discover who this Christ is. And to bring to light for everyone We go out with the gospel. The gospel includes a whole bunch of things. that's so incredibly huge and big and wonderful. To bring the light for everyone, what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things? Next slide. He created all things that through the church Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God, how how detailed, how rich in scope, how almost incomprehensible is the manifold wisdom of God? How, How incredible is it? Where is it being made known? The manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities through the church. Right now, guys, not only are we on display before the world, how many understand that when you're around unbelievers, you're around family that aren't disciples of Jesus, everybody's looking at you. They're going to see how, how you are. You say you're a Christian, what do you like? They get, they'll test you. They do that. Am I right? There's a bunch of guys upstairs. There are, they are even more, more interested in what's going on here because this is, happens to be right now what God is doing. This, this thing called the church. The church is taking forth the gospel to the ends of the earth. It's a tough deal. They're trying to slow it down, and we're on display. And through us is being, mani- is being shown the manifold wisdom of God in us, guys. to all the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, this was according to the eternal purpose of God that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amazing stuff. He's the center of it, but we're in it. We're in it, you know, how how is it? Um, Two forms of baptism are are generally practiced. There's In the Greek, the term is rontizo, it's sprinkling, right? A lot of older denominations, Reformed, do sprinkling. I think that the Bible reveals it's full immersion. You go under the water and there's nothing sticking out. We're being immersed into this, guys. This is according to the eternal purpose of God. And we are in full immersion these days into this plan, this purpose. All right, next verse, please. So one of the habits I believe we all need to get into, and I think we're seeing that as Kevin walks us through the book of Exodus, there is so much. I've heard these people and, 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 and Bible teachers, very well known, that, that have said things like, we need to decouple ourselves from the Old Testament. That is an absolutely ludicrous idea. This is one book, one author. So what is our part in this purpose of God? We have, we have been given an assignment, and listen, that assignment was given right here in Genesis at the creation of man. That's very clear, if we would take it in. It's very clear. So God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion. Again, one of the concepts of the purpose of God, huge throughout the scripture, is a kingdom that has no end. Dominion speaks to that. Again, we could spend hours on this, these verses here. Dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over, all, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Our assignment and the stewardship we have from God is this earth. Now, again, I'm not a, I don't push the green agenda. How many know about the green agenda? Okay. Everybody knows now about the green agenda. We have a stewardship that should be uh, reflecting the, I think those guys have done a, maybe a, a poor job of articulating it, but this is our planet. This is ours. It's been given to us. So God created man in His own and the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Next slide. And God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Very interesting word. Guard it, keep it. There was a snake running around at that time. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over, over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves upon the earth the point I want to articulate is that that stewardship that's been given to humankind has never been rescinded. It hasn't. You got the whole story of the Old Testament is an unfolding of that. It's an unfolding of that and it's the unfolding again of a lot of stuff a flood the Tower of Babel, the calling of a man named Abraham. What is that all about? It's all about this. It's all about that purpose of God unfolding throughout the ages. One of the, transla- one of the uh, verses, again, we'd spend hours looking at it. Oh, My daughter's up here. I'm not meaning to embarrass her, but could you get my water? <laughs> That's right down there. This is my oldest daughter, Andrea. <laughs> my wife is somewhere in the children's meeting having fun. Okay. Stewardship. Again, I just want to emphasize that. Looking at those verses in... in in Genesis chapter 1. God has given us a stewardship. It's reiterated again and again. And the unfolding, especially in the Old Testament, of the the people of God coming together, being in Egypt in bondage, and then coming out of there and being taken into that land and driving out the enemies of God and, and establishing a theocratic kingdom on the earth, on this planet. All right, so now let's go back to Romans eight, and we're going to just walk through the verses that lead up to the one we started with. And I've got underlinings here. Now you can pay attention to the whole verse. You tear into this if you want to. I don't know what I'm going to do. How I'm going to get you a copy of this? If you want a copy of my notes, my notes are pretty simple. Uh, I just have these verses. I got my scribblings on my 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 copy here, but. Here's this, I consider, I, Paul, consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to and in us. We'll see other verses here. Now, I know a lot of us feel uncomfortable in these days with the sufferings. But I know that you guys are aware, various levels, of what else is going on in this world. And there's some people that are suffering a lot more than we are. I know we're very well, well aware, hopefully, to some degree, of you, the Ukraine, what's going on there. But there's other places like Myanmar. I've been to Myanmar three times in my life. I had that wonderful privilege. That was the first missionary journey I took was I went to the country of Myanmar. Wow. Talk about a full immersion. There are, there are some Christian communities there right now that are under genocide. There's some in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. There's a war that's been going on for years. It gets very little press in the U.S. They also are undergoing genocide. It's happening in Nigeria. It's happening in Niger. It's happening in parts of Kenya. It's happening in Somalia. It's happening in southern Sudan. There's sufferings. They're real. I I don't want to... Make them small as though they're nothing. They're not. They are, they are terrible in many things. But the sufferings are not worthy of comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed to us and in us. Now, the next verse, verse 19, I, want to, I'm on a, I got a little punchline there. What's happening? The creation waits with eager longing. Guys, we're not the only ones. <laughs> I think the whole world is going, oh, what? What's going on? And I know we have a desire to get back to something we call normal. I'm not sure exactly what that is. You know, God's been in control of the, life, of the whole time, His normal is coming. So here's what the creation waits for. I want you to know, see that underlining. It waits with eager longing for what? The revealing of the who? Sons of God. Not merely the firstborn son. Listen, guys. Creation is waiting for us. Did you know that? I had a very good conversation the other day on Friday morning with a dear friend of mine. And he was telling me, he was telling me that, Greg, that more and more I just have a longing. I I just want Jesus to come back. How many here want Jesus to come back? Come on, I want to see every hand. Come on, come on. If I I don't see your hand, I'm going to preach the gospel to you. We're all longing for that. But creation is also longing for us. And so he told me, when I asked God, Let, let's get this over with, God told him, "I'm no, I'm not done with you yet. How many of us are fully sanctified and transformed I didn't see a single hand. I didn't see any nodding of heads. No. The creation is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. He's going to talk about it more. Paul's going to talk about it more. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly. Creation didn't volunteer for decay And chaos and all that stuff. It didn't raise his hand and say, oh, that sounds good to me. Nope. We don't do that. Nope. As far as I know, every one of us is saying, when will this be over? Get it out of here. When something bad comes our way, that's our automatic reaction. Creation was subjected to futility not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. Who brought us to this situation, guys? Let's be honest about it. In this verse, it's clear. Him. Capital H. God in his purpose and his plan. He didn't cause it. He is not the cause of this. He creates beings and he can't recreate himself and so here's these beings fallible make choices mess it up principalities and powers above us and everybody else around us what a you know I have thought about this over the years it's increasingly um, I'm going to keep glancing at that time because I know those guys are watching me and saying okay Um, but we are We want to get free from this. It's an automatic thing. But God in his sovereignty has planned it out. This is groaning number one. All creation is groaning. For the, subject, the creation was subjected to fertility not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in, next slide, that the creation itself will be freed from the bondage of corruption and obtain, again, there's that, the subject is the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Brothers and sisters, when we, at the Lord's return, when we're taken up, we will be set free into a glorious liberty that we, for, we have foretaste of now. I'm hoping that all of us have foretaste. In the middle of this, like uh, we sang and like uh, I think it was uh, well, Paul this morning when we were praying, we all have the capability right now to experience the joy of the Lord because it's not subject to circumstances. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And we can rejoice in Him at any time. I know Kevin shared a number of times that in this last cycle of this thing going on, he says he's found liberty in worshiping God. He can worship God any time. We have the liberty to do that. But that's not the liberty. We're looking for the freedom that comes when we get set free from this corruption and mortality that we wear. We know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Now, I know a lot of you women, guys, you you can listen to this, but this is to the women real quick here. I've never been through labor. I've watched my wife. In fact, the first time I was there and I... And the, uh, they let us. It was the stage when they started to let the men into the room there, where that's going on. And I'm there, and I and I told the doctor, uh, you know, can you pull it back and I can see a little bit more, you know? And uh, and I I touched I touched the the uh, cloth or whatever it was that was over my wife, and she goes, get away from here. <laughs> and the, the doctor says, what's going on? What's going on? Well, he's messing around. Whew, I didn't want to. We were groaning, and the, and the guys, the birth pains, the flood was a birth pain. Babel was a birth pain. Walking through Palestine, Israel was a birth pain. The death on the cross was a birth pain. The suffering for 2,000 years of of the Christians' birth pangs. Creation is groaning until now, but there is a birth. There is a birth. Next slide, please. We're going to go, let's look at a verse here again. Paul is going to reinforce this, and I'm going to reinforce it. Think about those words up there. Paul is saying, this is momentary light affliction. Now, come on, be honest, guys. You don't have, I, this is not a, you know, I'm going to show my faith. Don't do that. Uh, you should show your faith, but don't, I'm not asking you to do that. How many think that this is not light affliction? Right, there's one. My daughter. Somehow, maybe I have a hand in it, I don't know. But in perspective is the key here, guys. It's a comparison. This is light affliction in comparison to the eternal weight of glory. And the key, I think, for what we're walking through and going to walk through, now, my position, you can, you can disagree with me. I, I, I think that's good. We need healthy disagreement. But I think we're going to walk through the tribulation, the great one. I'm go read Revelation 7. That's just my opinion. I think a lot of Christians right now are walking through what is a foretaste of that great tribulation. Our momentary lightness of affliction, what is it doing? Producing in us. That sounds necessary to me. I don't understand that. God's ways are not our ways, but that sounds necessary. It is producing in us an eternal weight of glory. And that's what we need to have anchored in our heads and our hearts. We need to have understanding and enlightenment. To that, to have that picture, where we are going, what is our destiny. That, brothers and sisters, if we do that, and that's why uh, I know a number of you come on Wednesday nights and we're going through a discussion panel. It's great. I, I've been extremely blessed by it. But I tell you what, we need to have that kind of fellowship more and more and more and more. And I think that, like in many places, in Iran, in Afghanistan, where you can't meet openly, they're fellowshipping. They're gonna, they find every way they possibly can. Some of the things I've heard is when everybody comes into the household, everybody, if they have a cell phone, and they all have cell phones, the whole world has cell phones these days, they, they take their cell phones, they put them in a, a tub, and they cover it with a blanket, and then they have fellowship, and usually their singing is muted. I really think we should cut more loose more. We got the opportunity, guys, because our day may be coming where it's muted. And that eternal weight of glory is beyond all measure and proportion. It's perspective. It's comparison. Compared to that eternal weight of glory, this this is momentary light affliction. I want to read to... Just to give you a little perspective, the preceding verses from this verse here, this is a conclusion here. Paul's reaching a conclusion. Let me read to you his light affliction. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. That's good. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted but not forsaken. We're struck down but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the putting to death of Jesus that the life of Jesus might be also manifested in our mortal flesh. Right now, again, the principalities and powers are seeing manifestations of Jesus in this mortal flesh, depending on how we live. Think about that. We who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus all might, might be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is working in us, but life in you. Profound statements there, Paul. All right, let's go to Romans eight twenty-three. The groanings continue. So creation is growing, but not only the creation. So now, we are part of creation, by the way. We're all created beings. But Paul, in wisdom, wants to focus in on a certain segment of the creation. It's us. Not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit. We have the first fruits of the Spirit. The Spirit of God is in us. If we are a Christian person, and if there's anyone here that doesn't personally know Christ, I, I would encourage you to come up and afterwards and talk with me or talk with any of the brothers and sisters here. But I have the first fruits of the Spirit, and you guys do. Here's what we do. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body, bodies. We groan. How's the groaning going, guys? If we really, I don't want to make too much out of this. I'm not trying to force a thing, force anything. The more we connect with the things around us, the more we connect with people around us, the more we walk with people. One of the things I'm learning, Uh, I don't know. It seems like in my early Christian days, sometimes I was very clueless. I was big up here and small down here. and Now this has been the growing size, and this thing's getting older. And uh, I'm groaning more. Because I see things. I see things in people's lives. I see things that don't need to be there. My family, friends, believers walking through stuff. We're groaning inwardly as we wait for the adoption as sons. That word adoption, very unique, very interesting. Literally means the placement of a son. Our placement as co-heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ, the firstborn son, will happen at the redemption of our bodies. And we will be placed in positions of authority on this planet in a kingdom that eventually will never end. Placed as sons. Fulfilling Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 28. God accomplishes that. You know, that's why I wish I had a whole lot more time because you guys are kind of going, well, maybe you've never even heard this before. I remember the first time I looked at it and saw it and heard it from somebody teaching from the Bible. In hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. We still are in the age of hope. I hope you see that. I hope I'm not, um, I'm not meaning to get us all focused on the groaning. I want to, (laughs) I don't think I need a whole lot of help to focus on the groaning. I want to focus us on the hope. And this is, our hope is not yet here. And like Kevin has said, and I appreciate that. I believe that. Hope is not something I really hope comes. It is coming. It's been purchased by God, planned by God. The God whose will cannot be subverted. We can't subvert it, and neither can the principalities and powers. They cannot subvert the will of God. No one can stay His hand. None. There's a song It says, He has no rival, and He has no equal. The devil is not an equal. The devil is not even a rival. He's a pawn. And a minor one. Well, he's pretty big. But anyway. What, for who hopes what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. That word there is, let's see if I got my notes here. Endurance, perseverance, and steadfastness. I am convinced, again, one of the things that is required is not I I believe in miracles. I believe in healing. I believe in all that, but I also know as I look at history and time and everything else, God doesn't do that full scale all the time. He doesn't. For His own purposes. We're going to see that. I'm going to end with that. We're just walking through it. We have to have hope. We have to cling to hope. We have to have that perspective of where we're going. Next slide, please. The third groaning. (laughs) This is the critical one, guys, before I get into my little talk about that. Our groaning... And creation's groaning. All it works is just groaning. We're just, just groaning away. It's a natural outcome of what we're walking through. It's, a, it's, it's, it's God's. It's happened. This is how the design is. Everybody's, everybody should be groaning. There's some that aren't, and don't worry. God is shaking things more, and everybody will groan by the end. I don't know. Maybe that doesn't sound very fun, doesn't it? But our groaning doesn't produce it. Oh, wow, let's see, I want to do more groaning because maybe that will speed things up. Nope. Nope. This is the key groaning. This is the groaning that makes things happen. And this is happening. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Here's another hand raiser. I I like to do that kind of stuff. How many of you feel weak? How many of you feel strong, confident, got things under control? He helps us in our weakness. Whether we feel it or not, we are all weak. We're all mortal. How many of you are immortal? I want to know if there's any immortals among us. How many of you feel the corruption of yourself? You know, when when I'm kind of looking at the groanings, the first one seems to me to be more just all the things that are happening, all the bad, all the evil, all the wickedness. The other one, the groaning that we do, often... In my experience, is here's what I'm groaning about: this guy. I'm not what I should be. I'm not as I, I'm not as I will be. I have weaknesses. And the and the next verse, we do not know what to pray for as we ought. You know, brothers and sisters, we all got to be honest. That's one of the things that the Lord is working in us. We're just, we we, life as it actually is. That's a famous saying from Oswald Chambers is one of my favorite sayings. Life as it actually is. This is it. And th- we have weaknesses. We don't know what to pray for. The first thing we do, and I, and I do this, everybody does it, is that that bad thing comes and I go, Lord, this is bad. And the Lord goes, yep, that's bad. Get it out of here. Shouldn't be here. We don't know what to pray for. We really don't. Most of the time. A lot of the times. How many of you have ever prayed for someone that's walking through a tough time? Maybe a a physical situation. Raise your hand, please. Normal. And I'm not saying don't do that. One of the lessons I learned a number of years ago was from Philippians chapter 4. It says, uh, We need to make known our requests. And I remember when I was a fairly young Christian, I would try to articulate. I, I was thinking, God, I need to say it. I need to say my prayer exactly right. How many have ever tried to do that? I just need to craft my prayer, and God will hear me because my prayer. That's, that's kind of a subtle thing. God will hear me because of it's, it's just crafted very well. <laughs> eh. Philippians chapter 4 says, cut loose with what you want. I think God is, I had God speak to my heart. I didn't hear, I've never heard an audible voice, but I heard him speak to my heart Parker, what is it that you want? Just let me know. Make known your requests. And I'll deal with the answer. And the answer in Philippians is not, oh, you'll get it. The answer in Philippians is, and the peace of God will guard your heart and thoughts in Christ Jesus. If you will let know, known to him what you want, he's, he's absolutely entirely cool with our poor prayers. Because the big thing is the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. Maybe I'm going to step on some toes here for the charismatics among us. This isn't praying in tongues. Praying in tongues is often a very exhilarating thing. This is groaning. And he's groaning beyond words. The literal translation of this is beyond words it's wordless there's no words i had one marked incident in my personal life where my dear wife and i were walking through some pretty heavy stuff it's the heaviest stuff i've ever been in in my marriage and i was i worked at boeing i went out for lunch i would skip lunch i would just go out to the huge parking lots that are in boeing facilities. And I'd walk out there and I would pray. I would pray the whole whole time for lunch. And most of it, I had no words. I said, I don't know what to do. I don't know. And I believed that the Spirit of God was groaning with me in that groaning. Too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts, that is the God, the Father, knows what the mind of the Spirit is. He is articulate in his groanings. But they don't have any words. We don't know what the words are. We don't know what he's praying for. Other than it's praying for our situations. He searches the hearts to know what the mind of the spirit is. Because the spirit intercedes according to the will of God. And in, the, in all the text, as far as I know, in the Bible text for the first several hundred years, it's not the will of God. That's added. It's according to God. He's a praying according to God because he's God. He knows what the Father's purpose is. He knows what the plan that the Son has accomplished and is unfolding. He knows, and he's, he's, he knows what we need. Guys, do you believe that? He knows what we need. I don't. I try hard. I know you guys try hard. All right, now it's punchline time. I know I'm getting seriously on my time. I'm looking at the guys up there, back there. Next. Oh, that, and, and then we, got, we finally got to our, our, um, our verse we started out with. Based upon all that, Paul said this. All the groanings, the groaning of creation, the saints groaning, the Spirit himself groaning, we know that all those who love God, all things work together for good. It's playing through, groaning is part of it. It's working together for good to those who are loved, who are called according to His purpose. And you know, just read through. You can. I, I, I hope that you spend some time in Romans eight today, at some point. Next verse, please. All right. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. That's the goal, guys. That's the goal. That's part of the purpose. God hasn't wanted an only begotten Son. God wants a firstborn Son among many brethren. God wants many sons. I mean, you know, some of these people, a lot of you guys got a lot of kids. Where'd that come from? Where's that desire? Look at that darling little thing. Beautiful. Everybody go over there afterwards. I'm not the attraction. There's the attraction. Many sons conform to the image of the firstborn. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Notice that's all in the past tense intentionally. All right, now the punchline. Next verse, next page. (laughs) 2 Corinthians chapter 12. One of the things that Paul does in his letter to the Corinthians, the second one is he exposes himself more than he does in any other letter. A lot of personal stuff in that letter. He's wrestling with these guys. He's had a lot of problems with them. You know what? I'm not saying problems are good, but problems work good. If we have perspective. Paul had these two marvelous revelations. He was uh, taken away, caught up to the third heaven. He was caught away to paradise. He saw things that I think maybe the only other guy that maybe saw this is, is John, some of these things, okay? And so what does God do with these? He can't, he knows the human frame that we are weak, guys, You know, I mean, when sometimes when you guys are blessed, you know, oh, wow, you know, and, and then these little sneaky thoughts come in, and I'm not sure, I don't blame it on the devil. He's involved in a lot of things, but a lot of things he's not. He, he can't be everywhere omnipresent like God is. Okay? So, anyway, what, here's what happened with that. Therefore... So that I would not exalt myself. There's a tendency in the human race. Something happens to you. <laughs> it's like Kevin does. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm standing in for him. He's, maybe he's going to watch this. I don't know. Here I am. A thorn in the flesh was given to me. A messenger of Satan. God used a messenger of Satan. Go read the book of Job, first two chapters. God stimulated Satan to test Job. God did it. God allowed a thorn in the flesh to be given to me in order that it would... Torment me. This translation. This is the English standard version. The other word that's used here. I mean, it, it's 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 to strike and beat severely. What? You know, one of the things I, as I've walked with the Lord, I'm growing, and I, and there's another brother here I, I I converse with on a weekly basis. Try to. We were talking the uh, last time we got together we really are way short of knowing who this God is. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. God uses a thorn in the flesh as a messenger of Satan in order that it would torment me. It would it would subdue me in my natural inclinations so that I would not exalt myself. And Paul is just like us, and we're just like Paul. I, I, Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would depart from me. God, this is not right. It's bad. It's a messenger of Satan. Get rid of it. <laughs> I appealed to the Lord. It would depart from me, and it, Here's what he said to me. My grace is sufficient. Now we don't know what the thorn is. There's a lot of, some speculation. People, there's some things that maybe seen to be, maybe, okay, that's, that's right there. But it appears it never left him. You know, sometimes the hardest things to walk through Guys are when it never goes away. I'm going to say this publicly. Um, I have have a dear friend. A lot of you know who he is, Joel Richardson. He's a a dear brother in Christ. I think he's doing incredible work in his ministries. His wife has a physical condition that there's no known cure for. Extremely painful. And he told me on occasion... She said, I want to kill myself. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a downer here. But there are, this is real. There are people over again in Ukraine under bombings, it's real. My grace is sufficient for you because power is perfected in weakness. Boy, if I could capture, if I could lay hold of that truth, that would be a change in my life. Power is perfected in weakness. So here's the challenge, brothers and sisters, next page. This is the challenge I would lay out for all of us. How many of you are really skilled at uh, boasting in your weaknesses? I, recently, I haven't heard anybody boast in their weaknesses to me. Um, I, I, occasionally, I have. You know, People get up here and they go, I'm scared to death. There was a dear brother who comes on Wednesday night. I don't know if he's here today. He just says, you know, I mean, we, give, we, we pass the mic around and he says, oh, don't bring me the mic. That's a weakness. He, he recognizes his weakness. He doesn't want to do it because we're afraid that we expose to everybody else what I'm really like. He's a nice guy. He's a good brother. I don't like getting exposed. Who likes to get exposed in here? I didn't see a single hand. I will boast gladly, most gladly in my weaknesses that the, in order that the power of Christ may reside in me. That's actually not an excellent translation. The word there is the word for tent. The power of Christ would tabernacle over me. That would be my fortress. That would be what covers me. Is the power of Christ in my weakness. Therefore, I delight. That's a little more intense than boast. (laughs) I think, Paul, goodness sakes. I will delight in my weaknesses. Brothers and sisters, this is the challenge. Because we're going to walk through some stuff that is well over our heads. Maybe we're doing that now. We're going to walk through some stuff. I delight in weaknesses. I delight in Please raise your hand on this one. Who delights in insults? Now maybe it wasn't really direct. It says, well, that was stupid. Well, bing bing. That means I am stupid. And uh, mm, I'm not stupid. No, Parker. You are. A lot of times. I got a witness here. Lifetime witness. I delight in calamities. I delight in persecutions. I but delight in difficulties. I want a nice smooth life. Who wants a nice smooth life? life? Raise your hand. Come on, be bold. I know, come on, I know you all do. I'm just seeing who would be honest. I delight in these things for the sake of Christ. Christ, his goal is to present us to the Father as completed sons ready to rule and reign for the ages to come, really rule. And we need to be done in this world with unrighteous rule. Can I hear an amen? That's what we want. But God will not, does not replace the unrighteous rule until there's righteous rulers to do the replacing. That's a divine concept in this Bible. And then here's the last one. And then I'm going to be done. I'm going to be in trouble. I know it. Whenever I am weak, then am I strong. Now I've had a concept for many years. When I'm weak, God's going to make me strong. I'm weak, but he's going to make me strong. That is not what it says. It says, when I am strong, I am weak. Simultaneous. When I'm weak, the the power of Christ tabernacles over me. He's not intending to remove our weaknesses, guys. Not till that day when he comes again and we put off this mortality and we put off this corruption and we get transformed and transfigured into the image of the firstborn. That's our hope. I pray that that's an anchor. So what I would exhort you all is to ask the Lord what does that mean for me? How can that translate out into my life? Lord, I want that. So let me pray. I think the worship team would come up here. Miss, Mrs. T allowed me to go long. She told me I could do that. She in fact she encouraged me to go to ten thirty. So that's my cover. Okay. Well you're her daughter, that's why I'm pointing at you. So let me pray here real before we sing the last song. Father, I know that uh, all the things we covered here, huge things, but I believe you're going to use it. I believe you can, you will. I'm trusting in that. Lord, please help us take these things at heart, have the perspective. Yes, we're walking through this, all the groanings. But there is an incredible destiny where we're going to end up and it is the things that are happening now are not worthy to be compared to that and Lord help us to anchor our souls our hearts our minds in that that is to coming Lord to be able to walk through what we are going to walk through Lord you're able you are able we give you all the praise worship thanksgiving the power is yours Yours is the might and dominion and the kingdom forever. So we bow before you and say, Lord, have your way with us. In Jesus' name, amen.